0: welcome to today's episode of the new science of physical health where we've got one mission in mind how to help you and the people that you care about to outsmart sickness disease and premature death let's dive into it right now in today's episode hi everybody welcome to the new science of physical health and the second episode for the year of 2023, depending on when you're listening to this, because we archive these episodes, and you may actually be listening to this sometime in the future, well after 2023. But as I record it, we're in early January 2023, and this is a special episode. In fact, it's broken up into three different episodes called The Invisible Force That Could Be Lurking in Your Arteries and Threatening Your Life a framework on how to protect yourself and those you love with my special guest from the famed George Institute of Health, Dr. Alta Shute. I cannot wait in the second episode to share the first part of my interview that I did with her recently. So this episode, the first one we're going to do here, will set up the basis for the interview. And it's so important that I do that and that I don't just lead into the interview. There is a, as I said, the title of the episode: an invisible fur force that could be lurking in your arteries and threatening your life. There's a lot going on in the world of health education and physical activity that I've been belonged to since. I can't even believe I'm going to say this way back in 1985 i'm going to be 57 years old this year and i am more obsessed today with helping wanting to make an impact at driving down people's risk of sickness disease and premature death than i ever have been at any point in my life just one thing i want you to know when you leave this episode in this little series we've put together here, The Invisible Force, there's one thing that I want you to know, and that is there's no in-between with me. I am literally and figuratively obsessed with wanting to help drive down your personal risk of sickness, disease, and premature death and helping you to find ways to get this episode into the hands of people who need it. So I'll open this episode by saying this. Remember, this one, before you meet my special guest from the George Institute of Health, Dr. Alta Shute. before you meet her, what I want to do is set up the interview correctly. Now, I'll open the episode this way. I wish, and this is the statement I'll make, I wish my father had this three-part miniseries. And that he had it in his ears, listening to the podcast, listening to this show, The New Science of Physical Health, but particularly, specifically, this episode, way back in 1985. I wished he'd had this episode way back then. Now, that was my first year of university at Canberra University in Australia. And I hadn't learned what I'm about to share with you in this episode and the next two episodes. But... 1985 was four years before his catastrophic health event. For those of you who have followed my program regularly, you know what that catastrophic health event is. But if you're tuning in for the first time, let me do the briefest explanation of what happened to our family in 1989, the year that I turned 23 years old and the year that my father turned 46 years old. So he was, a well, 10 years younger than I am today. Well, we grew up in a country town, so a town of about 4,000, just under 4,000 people in the state that we live in here in Australia. It's a well-known town because there's a there's a business inside the town that's a multi-billion-dollar business around Australia and other countries right now. And that town is called Bega. And the, the company, the business that's well-known that put our town on the map. It's a very unusual situation for a small country town. We're a dairy farming community. My father wasn't a dairy farmer, but he was a house painter, and my mum owned a shop in the local town, but the community was supported by dairy farming. And a company called Beega Cheese, if you live in Australia, you've heard of it. If you live outside of Australia, our product, apparently the product from Beega, as I understand it, I interviewed the chairman of the company uh, back in 2019. That's in forty odd countries right now. Well, the interesting thing is that that's where I grew up, and this tiny country town, I think Beaker Cheese now is now worth some. The last time I read about it recently, somewhere around two and a half billion dollars worth of revenue, and that's what's unusual about our particular town and the place that I grew up in, this idyllic one traffic light. There's still only one traffic light in the town, one traffic light town as a young child and as a teenager, throughout my teenage years before I left to go to university. So my father at 46, my mum and dad on November the 1st of 1989 were looking at a house to buy a brand new house. They wanted to upgrade and move into a new home. Unfortunately, at 3 p.m. that afternoon, out of nowhere seemingly, my father had a health catastrophe. He had had a massive, sudden, like I said, out of nowhere heart attack that had shut down his heart, the function of his heart, and caused his immediate death. My father had passed away well before the ambulance had got there. My mother. And the real estate agent were trying to give my dad CPR. Do you imagine the panic of that? And in your mid forties, and this is that's what happened to our family that day. It forever altered the destiny of my life. But I'd wished that the episode I'm about to share I could have put in my father's ears four years before nineteen eighty nine, November the first at three PM. November the first of nineteen eighty five and they get him to act on what you're about to hear throughout this particular three-part miniseries called The Invisible Force. See, what my father didn't know is that the invisible force was lurking in his arteries. He'd never heard of it, and he'd not only threatened his life, it stole his life from us, from him, and us as a family, myself, my mother, and my twin brother when he was just 46 years old and my, my twin brother and I were uh, 23 years old and my mum was 45 years old. My father was about to turn 47, but he never made it. My father, the invisible force that was lurking, was hypertension, high blood pressure. I've asked literally thousands and thousands of people over the past decade, both students that I've taught now, that's where the thousands of people have come from and hundreds and hundreds of health educators and physical educators like me why is hypertension high blood pressure why is it bad for you now here's the interesting question not only was that lurking in my father's body and it ultimately contributed significantly to his death he didn't know that what I'm about to tell you of what this invisible force can do from a damaged perspective. But I, I've asked hundreds of these health educators and hundreds of physical educators from Australia where I live and other parts of the world where I'm connected to people through social media in my professional organisations. Almost nobody can tell me off the top of their head, just click it out like it's second nature, What is what kind of damage does high blood pressure actually do? Why is it dangerous? Let me just walk you through that very, very quickly. High blood pressure can damage something called the endothelium, which is a thin layer of cells that lines the inner surface of your blood vessels all over your body. This damage to the endothelium because of high blood pressure over time is as a result of chronic elevated blood pressure. When the endothelium is damaged, it can lead to a number of different problems. So it's the precursor. Now, I'm not talking about why high blood pressure actually happens. I'm talking about what it does once and has happened, like it did with my father. So here's the problems. Something called atherosclerosis. The endothelium helps to regulate the buildup of plaque in the arteries, like plaque on your teeth, but inside your arteries. When it's damaged, plaque can build up more easily in the lining of your arteries, leading to a condition called atherosclerosis. And this can increase the risk of heart attacks and strokes. And other forms of cardiovascular events. The second thing it can lead to is something called vascular inflammation. The endothelium, those cells on the inside of the artery of your blood vessels, the endothelium plays a role in regula- regulating inflammation in the blood vessels. When it's damaged, inflammation can increase, leading to further damage to the blood vessels. Another thing third thing, blood clot formation. The endothelium helps to prevent the formation of blood clots. So my father had high blood pressure, didn't know about it, but didn't know that it could lead to blood clots or vascular inflammation or atherosclerosis. So blood clots, when it's it's damaged, blood clots form more easily, increasing the risk of blockages in the blood vessel. That's what happened to my father. He had this blockage, we found out, at the aorta, the biggest blood vessel in the heart, and it completely stopped his heart from pumping. He died as a result. Immediately, not in some time down the track, like instantly. Overall, damage to the endothelium can increase the risk of a number of serious health problems, including heart attacks like my dad, strokes, and other cardiovascular diseases. It's important to maintain, not important, critical to maintain healthy blood pressure and to control and protect your endothelium and reduce the risk of these problems. Those three things my father never knew. So why didn't he know that back then in 1989? And here's the other question. Why don't most people know it today? Like I said, I've asked thousands of students that I've taught that kind kind of content, no idea. Hundreds and hundreds of health educators and physical educators, and they give me a general answer, but they don't know, they're not specific like that. So why didn't he know about it back then? And why do most people not know about it today? Because it's an invisible force. That's the main reason, I believe, as an educator. See, if you have a pain in your tooth, the pain doesn't go away and you actually can't live with the pain. So what do you do? What are you forced to do? Think about this. If you either ever had this or know people, if you get pain in your tooth, and it, we know it never goes away, stays there. What do you do? And if it gets bad enough, you just urgently go to the dentist to get a filling, get a tooth removed, get some uh, dental work done. What do they call the dental work that um, where, they, uh, where you've got lots of nerve pain? Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. I know it's a simple um, uh, root canal therapy. Like if, So you get rid of the pain by getting treated by a dentist. Or a uh, periodontist or right? that's what happens. You can't live with it. The invisible force, that's a great description, by the way, of hypertension, high blood pressure, is because you don't feel pain. So if you don't feel pain, why would you do anything about it? And that is the 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 uh, that's the core of this episode, the introductory one, and the next few episodes. And so the real reason you don't know about it is because it's an invisible force. You don't feel pain. So you don't do anything about it. Very few people get their blood pressure tested on any regular, frequent basis. You'll hear about how you should be doing it from Dr. Shoe in the in the next episode. Because remember, this first episode sets up the interview. So people also don't know about it. That's the driving factor. But the factor behind it, from a te- my perspective as a teacher, as an educator, is this. Because you've never been taught the correct framework. That's why my father didn't know about hypertension and the invisible force that could be lurking in his arteries and actually was, that caused the end of his life or contributed significantly to the end of his life, I should say. Because you've never been taught the correct framework. See, I looked for the correct education framework over the past decade or so as I thought more about this disease that took my father's life all those years ago, I looked for the correct education framework that would help drive down your risk of hypertension. I realized after looking and interviewing and interviewing and PhD after PhD, the correct framework actually exists, particularly as it relates to something called the correct dose of physical activity and the correct dose of macronutrients. I'll get to that later on. But what I realized was that complex medical research wasn't being converted into a simple diagram and a simple framework that you could use and understand. Now, so what I, what I did was, I decided to create a frame, an education framework, after my 35 years of teaching health and physical education, plus my past decade of working with more than 100 PhDs in disciplines that include medicine, exercise physiology, molecular biology, public health, cardiology, vascular medicine, metabolic disease, open heart surgery, and many more. So I've either interviewed, consulted with, or worked with PhDs in all those areas, and many more over the past decade to enhance my deep knowledge as an educator. Then I realised after going through that process of knowing how to teach, knowing how to create frameworks and gaining this deep knowledge for over a decade, I realised that I could create a simple framework that could be relied upon to drive down your risk of developing clinical hypertension high blood pressure. Now, more about this framework towards the end of the episode and the concept of a framework because it sets up the next episode. What I would like to do before I get to this framework is talk about something called the National Hypertension Task Force Takes on the Silent Killer of Uncontrolled Blood Pressure in Australia. Now, this has just been announced. As I record this in early January, this was announced by a federal government minister here in Australia in early December. So last year, about a month ago, from, in fact, almost a month ago to the day. So Dr. Sh- Alta Shute, who you're going to meet in the next episode and hear from directly from my interview, Dr. Shoot, along with a series of the Australian government, federal government, are putting together a National Hypertension Task Force. That's how serious this disease is. But listen to this. Here's a couple of quotes, short quotes, but so important. So here's the first part. This task force is a significant step in the fight against hypertension. We know that high blood pressure is the biggest modifiable risk of stroke, of anything we can do to reduce that risk to improve the health outcomes for Australians, is welcome was the quote from Dr Shute. Now, b- by the way, this type of task force has already been implemented in other countries. Not heaps of other countries, there are many, many other countries where this could absolutely be duplicated. But it goes on to say, hypertension also known as high blood pressure affects one in three Australian adults and only thir- I couldn- I didn't be- I couldn't believe this. Only 32% of Australian adults with hypertension, high blood pressure, have it under control. This is a figure the task force is aiming to change. Its goal is to more than double Australia's blood pressure control rates from 32% to 70% by 2030. Before I met Dr. Shute and interviewed her, I had no idea this problem existed. I didn't realise that most, for every 100 people in Australia... And it's very similar in a lot of other industrialized countries. So wherever you're listening to this program, it may well be very similar. And the invisible force may be just lurking in you, depending on the lifestyle you've led. But what about the people you care about or the people you're responsible for? So this, this article goes on. says, I cannot stress enough the importance of having regular blood pressure checks first to identify if you have a problem with blood pressure and then work with your GP on ways to reduce it, says Dr. Murphy of the Stroke Foundation. And she says in her quote, she goes, no postcode is untouched. And it found that if high blood pressure alone was eliminated, the number of strokes would be practically cut in half. In a country like Australia, I think we would save something like 83,000 deaths. That is just unbelievable. That's what... Professor Shute says, if all Australians currently living with high blood pressure were properly treated, and we know they're not right now, we could save as many as 83,000 lives. Improving these rates in Australia is not only critical, but possible. We can and have to do better if we want to save lives. Now, here's one of the most interesting things that I think about that statement, that position statement that came from the George Institute. So I got that link from the, the George Institute for Health, which is something that you can look up. This is the most, one of the most important things. It says, I cannot stress enough the importance of having regular blood checks to first identify if you have high blood pressure and then work with your GP with ways to reduce your blood pressure and control it. Now, that's from Dr. Murphy, the head of the Stroke Foundation. She's correct, 100% correct, but I would add something to that. I, as a teacher of health and physical education, cannot stress enough the importance of learning a framework called the correct dose. Now, I'll talk about that in just a moment. There's so much work being done in this year. I'll come back to that, the correct dose framework. Like me as the teacher, cannot stress enough the critical importance of learning that. In fact, I'm going to argue as the educator in this particular part of the program, not the doctor, that learning and using this framework called the correct dose is as critically important as going to your doctor and working with your doctor. And I think it will unfold and you'll see why that's the case. So just a little bit more before I finish up this episode. I want to touch on, so I've talked from the George Institute perspective, for Institute for Health, and Dr. Shute, what they talked about with this national task force. Here's a quote from Stroke Foundation Executive Director of Services and Research, Dr. Lisa Murphy. So this is from the Stroke Foundation's website. Says she's looking forward to being at the forefront of the work to address this critical national health problem. This is a significant step in the fight against hypertension, this task force. We know that high blood pressure is the biggest modifiable. We said I said this before, but it's the same. It's a statement from her biggest modifiable risk factor in terms of low, driving down your risk of a catastrophic health health event. So I'm looking at this quote from Dr. Murphy, and I'm looking at the quote from Dr. Shute about 83,000 lives being saved. And I know that my father's was not one of those lives. So high blood pressure was a a national crisis back in 1989 when he passed away, and it remains so today because, as I said, I love that position statement, the invisible force that could be lurking in your arteries. For me, from a teaching perspective, nothing that I've said so far should be negated and And these two things that, the, the, what I've just gone through with this task force, and I'm so looking forward to doing whatever I can to pump out the message of the task force as an educator. But for me as an educator, what I'm about to share with you can work right alongside that. So my position statement that I've talked about at the start at the top of this episode was that we don't have or have not had, the correct framework in education, specifically health education, that will help people to want to fall in love with driving down their risk from hypertension. I want to say that again so it makes sense. We don't have the correct framework in health education that causes people to want to fall in love with wanting to reduce their risk of hypertension, which can cause sickness, disease, and premature death. So what I decided to do was create a platform called Outsmart, which I think is an appropriate name. And the the premise, the the precursor to the word Outsmart on my platform is called Ask This Question. Do you want to learn to live longer? Then Then my answer to that is Meet Outsmart or use Outsmart. So what is Outsmart? I want people to be able to Outsmart sickness, disease, and premature death, particularly things like obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular events, and metabolic disease. Those are the things I'm focused on with the Outsmart platform. So how do I do that? What did I order to do in order to achieve that outcome? Outsmart those diseases. And that's what my teaching platform does. How did I do that? I created six different modules. I'm not going to go through the modules right now. And inside each module are three brand new education frameworks that I formulated off my interviews with over 100 PhDs and at some different times direct work with those PhDs, actually working with them, some of them on different research projects. So over a decade's worth of interviews with those PhDs in those disciplines I mentioned before, particularly focused around exercise physiology, medicine, vascular health, molecular biology, cardiology, open-heart surgery, and also delved into working with an oncologist. That was amazing, an an exercise oncologist from Penn State University and interviewing interviewing, um, Dr. Catherine Schmidt. That's for another episode. So back to this. I decided that off each framework, a framework is a diagram, let me, I'll explain the power of a framework in just a moment from a teaching perspective, purely from that. So, each framework has a set of strategies, and each strategy has a set of tactics. So, it's frameworks, strategies, and tactics. And I put them into an Outsmart book, an Outsmart classroom, and an Outsmart health lab. If you want to go and read about those, I'm not going to talk about them any more than in depth here than just that then there's a link in the notes to this audio program. Go and click on the link, and you'll go and be able to find out about the OutSmart platform, the OutSmart book. There's a printed version, an audio version, and an ebook. Then the OutSmart classroom, which is a whole platform for teaching, and then an OutSmart health lab, which provides clinically validated health technology to measure whether or not what you're learning in the classroom is actually improving your personal physical health status and having you qualified medically as being healthy so let me get back to frameworks a fr- i want to explain a framework so in education here's a framework math in maths, multiplication is a framework take the five times table five times one is five five times two is ten five times three is 15 five times four is 20 so on and so on up to five times 12 is 60 doesn't matter whether a child uses that framework in Sydney, Australia, my child in the seventh grade soon to be in the eighth grade, or a child uses that in San Francisco, or a child uses that on the other side of America in New York, or a child uses it in Ontario, Canada, or in London, England, in Pretoria, South Africa, in um, you know in in Oslo, or in um, in Paris, in France. Doesn't matter whether they use it in Auckland, New Zealand. Doesn't matter whether they use it in Manila or in the Philippines doesn't matter whether they use it in Moscow, Russia, or Beijing, China. What happens? Think about the answer to this question I'm about to ask you. If you use the multiplication tables correctly, does everybody get the same answers if you use them correctly? The answer is yes, because because a framework explains the world around us. So when I teach students essays, one of the frameworks that we use is teaching them verbs. So, for example, I might give them this question. Evaluate the danger of a blood pressure reading that is consistently 140 over 100 or above. Evaluate the danger of a blood pressure reading that is consistently 140 over 100 or above. Write an essay about that. Now, the word evaluate means to make a judgment. You've got to have some content and understand some basic physiology in order to do that. I I talked about the physiology at the top of the episode, those three things that my father didn't know. So here's my premise. So that's what we teach verbs. But maths teaches multiplication and a whole series of other, other things. Chemistry teaches what's a framework in chemistry. I don't know this framework very well at all. It's outside my wheelhouse. It's the periodic table that has all the elements of the world in there. That's a framework that explains the world around us. So then the question, here's, I, have, in my all of my episodes, particularly to set up this interview, which I'm about to wind up this episode, here is my big domino question. What is the framework to teach you the correct dose of physical activity that will cause a structural and functional improvement in your blood vessel health? What framework can you use to make that happen of the time, so you get low blood pressure in almost all circumstances, apart from a few where there can be some medical problems that need to be worked on through medication. By the way, my work is education work. A doctor's work is medicine. Don't ever take education work to circumvent medicine. That's my opinion. Education, and what I'm about to share with you with this framework in the third and final episode in this mini-series, what I'm about to share with you will absolutely drive down your risk of high blood pressure. But there might be other problems in there that medicine needs to look at that won't drive it down in 100% of cases. But I can tell you now it will drive it down and make a significant difference and impact in improving your personal physical health status every time, every time. Is it a panacea? Does it solve all health problems? No, it doesn't. The framework that I'm going to talk to you about called the correct dose, which I'll talk to you about in the third episode. You'll see why in just a moment. So what I know to be true is this. Almost no adults in Australia where I live, obviously, um, and to have the correct framework or a framework called the correct dose that helps them to drive down blood pressure. Why? Because over only 32% of people calling Dr. Shute and her research, and I know this to be true, only 32% of Australian adults are getting their blood pressure treated. I would argue this point. Way less than that are using the correct framework to treat their blood pressure, the correct dose of physical activity framework. So the correct dose of physical activity framework, just to set this up for the third episode that I'm going to teach you, is a framework that shows your body exactly what it needs to do on a rolling seven days in order to improve your blood vessel health, the lining of your, endoth- of the- your blood vessel called your endothelial tissue. More about that later. We'll get to that in-, in episode three of the mini-series. So what I'm going to do is show you a peer-reviewed, evidence-based reference with clinical data and also introduce you to a world-leading professor of exercise physiology, by the way, ranked by Google Scholar as the top one of the top foremost cited researchers in his field of work on the planet. And I'll describe to you the exact framework that you can rely on, or the people you care about can rely on, every single time that will teach you the correct dose of physical activity to help you drive down your blood pressure and every single person or cohort that uses the framework. That's a pretty bold statement by the way, but it's a framework that if you use it, the correct dose framework, that if you use it, then it will absolutely change the way in which you are at risk or your clinical risk of high blood pressure. So, before I do all that, let's finish this episode. Here's how I'm going to finish this episode. I want to introduce you to Dr. Alta Shute, from the University of New South Wales here in Sydney, Australia, and also from the George Institute of Health. And I want to do that by outlining and giving a bit of her background. Now, the interview was one of the most fascinating interviews I've ever had. It was fantastic. And I've got a real... In fact, it was such a great interview, I did something I've never done. At the start of the next episode... I'll tell you what that is. So, who is Dr. Elva Shute that you're about to meet in the next episode? She's a PhD, a professor and the uh, 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 is a professor and the principal theme lead of cardiac, vascular and metabolic medicine at the Faculty of Medicine and Health at the University of New South Wales, Sydney, Australia, with a joint appointment as a professorial fellow at the George Institute for Global Health and she is also a NHMRC Investigator Grant Leadership Fellow at National Health Medical Research Council. She has extensive experience in working in clinical population-based studies with a focus on raised blood pressure, hypertension, and cardiovascular disease. She has been the chief investigator of several multidisciplinary studies and published, listen to this, greater than 400 papers in the field of blood pressure and cardiovascular disease, and supervised over 85 postgraduate students. This lady is an expert. I was beyond excited about interviewing her and sharing this interview with this with my audience. She's involved in numerous international consortias, such as the Global Burden of Disease Study from Washington, D.C., the NCD Risk Factor Collaboration in London. I don't know how someone gets the amount of time to do this, the May Measurement Month initiative of the International Society of Hypertension and was one of 20 invited authors to join the Lancet Commission of Hypertension. She is the senior author of the 2020 International Society of Hypertension and Global Hypertension Guidelines. She's been acknowledged for her work as a winner of the Distinguished Woman Scientist in Natural Engineering and Life Sciences Award presented by the South African Department of Science and Technology. Unbelievable. So originally, Dr. Shute is from South Africa. She talks about that in my interview. And she also serves as the associate editor of, I can't believe she does all these things, of Hypertension and the European Journal of Preventative Cardiology and is on the editorial board of cardiovascular journals, such as the Journal of Hypertension, Hypertension Research, Journal of Clinical Hypertension, Journal of Human Hypertension, Current Hypertension Reports, on BMC Medicine. She's a board member of the Australian Cardiovascular Alliance for the Fellowship of the European Society of Cardiology, the International Society of Hypertension, and the Royal Society of South Africa, and the past president of the Southern African Hypertension Society and past president of the International Society of Hypertension. Of all the professors that I've interviewed and worked with on this program, I'm not sure that anyone has been as prestigious as Dr. Shute. And she is going to be one of the most lovely people that I've had the pleasure of being able to interview. Now, I've got a – I haven't even told Dr. Shute this yet. I've got a magnificent piece of work that my team, my design team and my graphics team have put together. I'll tell you in relation to her interview. So here's how the interview is going to work. I'll give you part one about 15 or so minutes, 20 minutes, and then part two plus my conclusion, meaning I'm going to wrap up the interview with some narrative of my own in relation to what we've heard in the interview with her. So I'm going to wind up this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, if you're ready or when you are ready, go and click on the link that takes you directly to part two of the interview and at the top of part two, I'm going to tell you about this incredibly the, this, in fact, this special t- thing with the interview that my team and I decided to do that we've never done with any other interview with any other professor. All right, that's waiting for you at the start of episode two, which is part one. We're going to almost take a couple of minutes then we'll be straight into the interview with Dr. Shute. Thanks, everybody. Bye for now. Can't wait. I want to share this with tens of thousands of people. Professor Dr. Alta Shute, coming to you in the next episode. Bye for now.